and welcome to The Bright Side. Ah, darn it. You know, right at the beginning, that first one's so important. And uh, hold on, let me try again. Well, hello and welcome to The Bright Side. Oh, that's Oh, good. you that's stuck better. it. Yeah, you stuck I, the landing. I nailed it on that one. Uh, you can't see me, but I'm doing that thing where you hold your arms out like a Y after the uh, pole vault or whatever that is. Uh, this is uh, News Radio 1025 WFLA. I am Joel Hunter. And I'm here with my father, whose name is also Joel Hunter. That's right. We're to avoid confusion. To avoid confusion, if you if you're like, well, I wonder who's talking right now. It's Joel Hunter. <laughs> that's that too. And it's it's uh, it's us here today uh, talking about ways to help you help others. Uh, that's what this show is about. That's uh, we decided what's the most useful thing, and that would be being useful to other people. You betcha. Uh, today's topic is narcissism. And uh, I keep hearing stuff just outside. I, I couldn't tell what was going there, on. There may be a party uh, we weren't invited to. <laughs> I, it, I, uh, In which case, I just wanted to clarify. To take a commercial break. <laughs> I wanted to clarify why I seemed so distracted because I was like, is there a TV on in my pocket? I can't tell what's happening right now. Um, so uh, today's topic is narcissism. And narcissism is basically uh, it's, it's from what I've gathered, not a great thing, <laughs> not a great thing. And we're going to go into some of the reasons why, <laughs> but in segment one, we like to, we like to tie this day into history. You know, how, what is today, July 18th? What is it? What does it mean in history terms? If you'd been another year, it was, it was July 18th. Well, I'll tell you, in 1925, you'd be like, hey, Mein Kampf came out today. Exactly. Uh, now, you talk about narcissism. Yeah. There's, there's a little bit of narcissism. I feel like it's safe to say, you don't, I don't want to be one to point fingers. <laughs> but We don't like to kick a man while he's down. Yeah, the more but. I learn about this Adolf Hitler fella, <laughs> he may have had some personality quirks. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but he, he, uh, he was in prison at the time uh, for an unsuccessful uh, government overthrow attempt. He was in prison for treason, and he uh, wrote Mein Kampf, uh, which, as we know, means my Kampf. No, it means my struggle. <laughs> and uh, and it, uh, it was, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've uh, only heard sections of it, mostly from Dan Carlin's Hardcore History podcast. Mm -hmm. he'll, he'll read sections of it every now and then. Um, the guy was he could he could spin he could spin a yarn you know he, he was an incredible rhetorician yeah. he really was and you know when you watch his speeches and his gestures and his command of the room literally mm -hmm. um, yeah. it was Quite it literally. was something to behold and everyone who is looking for a strong leader because that gives them a sense of security and direction and all of that kind of stuff mm -hmm. it's very easy to see how germany who was you know, floundering after after the uh, um, the First World War, um, and still in a terrible state of um, disintegration, uh, looked for a, a messiah. Yeah, because you know we don't speak uh, German. I mean, you do you you don't speak no, German either. I don't. Uh, just realized you might have learned it at some point without <laughs> me realizing, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to take that away from That's you. That's all right. Uh, so when you watch his speeches as someone who's only ever spoke uh, English and not even just English, but American English, uh, you watch him and it's just a lot of. <laughs> uh, or, well, that wasn't very good. Even <laughs> uh, There you go. Yeah, and it's a lot of spittle flying and stuff like that. But um, when you when you read what he was saying and and he's got this passion and stuff and. It's, you know, mid 
1930s and you're having to uh, wheel a wheelbarrow full of of uh, your your Weimar Republic money that's you know it takes a uh, hundred thousand what are, marks I guess or whatever they were to buy a potato yeah, and, and you've got exactly. this guy who 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 knows what's going on he's got a vision and it doesn't start off with the super evil stuff you no, know it's it's no. all it's stepwise it's it's exactly it's, so it always goes with evil we deserve you know? a place in the sun you yeah know? and 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 our our the German people are good people mm-hmm. and the fatherland is a good place yeah and so because I think it's fair to say that if if Hitler had had come out in nineteen 35 and been like, I've got a plan. We're going to find everyone who's in these three categories and put them in prison camps and, and execute them. Yeah. Uh, that's not a winning platform. Not, not so much. Yeah. It's yeah. That would, that would, evil always wins by incremental victory. But the thing about Hitler was you talk about, uh, we're talking about narcissism and narcissistic personalities is that he himself was convinced that he was the Fuhrer and that he had the answer and that he was the one who could save Germany. It was one of the interesting things that I read uh, in in the research that our research department did, uh, Becky Hunter uh, and herself. Uh, that's our research department. <laughs> she, she uh, But I was reading through a, a bunch of stuff that uh, different articles that were written on narcissism, and I thought it was really fascinating. Um, one of the um, psychiatrists that was talking about it said uh, – People will oftentimes say it's coming from a place of insecurity. It's coming from a place of, you know, deep down there is insecurity. So there's overcompensation. And he's like, no, no, that's not (laughs) true. Exactly. Uh, If they did a lie detector test of, you know, are you the greatest human alive or ever? uh, And they would say, yes, they would pass with flying colors. Absolutely. Uh, And so in times of uncertainty, you know, it's it's natural to look for, you know, certainty in places. Um, Also, this day in history, uh, in 1870... The Vatican Council uh, came out with uh, what it was called, like the Doctrine of Infallibility. Is that what it was? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, papal, uh, which means popey, doesn't it? <laughs> it now does. papal, 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 yeah, papa e- equals uh, pope, and it was the idea that if the pope is speaking on some issue of religion, uh, it is impossible that he says anything wrong. The the this is fascinating to me because uh, you know I am. A student of history, and and I have loved studying um, the Catholic Church, um, and am now studying the Reformation. Um, that is true. And, in every moment, and, I, you have a Reformation really book in I, your hand. I, yeah. I do. I do. I love. I love history. But but the Catholic Church was a wonderful, um, complex, developing organization uh, that was not apolitical in its development, um, and so. What was fascinating to me was you just think papal infallibility is a is a, a doctrine from the very beginning is a, mm-hmm. is a is an assumption from the very beginning, and to know that the uh, Vatican Council only decreed this after the Civil War, eighteen seventy, as, as yeah. recent as 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 you know, a hundred and a half years ago, photographs were around. It, it, I, exactly um, says it comes at the end of a long um, political infrastructure political battle mm-hmm. um and um and 
and and I'm, and we can't pronounce you know judgments upon the decrees of the Catholic Church. Uh, I happen to really like the Pope we got right now. Man, the cool Pope. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> loves Everybody the cool loves Pope. Francis. Pope Francis. <laughs> that guy, he uh, is awesome. I I feel like he's only it's he's only uh, weeks away from him uh, going uh, just going for, uh, through the city streets on a skateboard uh, with his with his uh, plexiglass. But the man doesn't need the plexiglass around him. No, no everybody loves Pope Every, Francis. You know, when he was in Argentina and he was the Archbishop, he would ride the city bus. Really? Yeah, just to be around man, the working people. I got a lot of respect for. people I love like that, that guy. You bet. You know, a wise man once said, if you have a lot of influence, you can either use your power and influence to exploit people <laughs> or to or to help people uh, or to insulate yourself. And uh, and you were talking about you're the wise man. Oh, that's, thank you. Yeah, that's that's the secret. Uh, that's that's uh, Paul. What was that? Rest of the story guy. Who is that? The rest Paul of, Harvey. That's Paul Harvey's yeah, rest of the story. And the that man was my dad. <laughs> the wise man. You're listening to him right now. Uh, but but the idea that people can be that influential uh, and 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 not insulate themselves from the problems of those around them, you know, oh, yeah. uh, because it's really easy to to want to keep your hands from getting dirty when you can. You yeah. know, when you got no choice, you just kind of deal with. He's it. such a humble man. I know people. Who have who have had lunch with the Pope, and and the Pope insisted on serving part of the lunch himself. Wow! Just as the servant, and and he's just you know when he came to America, he drove that little Fiat. It looked like a little you know one guy <laughs> clown car, you know. Yeah. Uh, but but he didn't want to presume to drive a big car. And I was at the White House when when he came. Um, Sitting, uh, I was sitting right behind the Kennedys, mm-hmm. um, and when he came to greet everybody, and he was just the most humble servant. Uh, I mean, just I bet the look, Ken- I bet the Kennedys really like that though, because they're famously Catholic. They're like, oh yeah, ah, look at that. There's the Pope. <laughs> We've loved that guy for years. That's our guy. Uh, we're going to talk about narcissism more uh, when we come back. Right now, we're going to go to a break, and we will see you in a couple of minutes back here. This is Joel Hunter and Joel Hunter, the younger and the wiser. Uh, those are two different ones. I'm the younger one. <laughs> and he's the wiser one. Uh, this is a show that is about helping you help others and jamming out to music. Yes. Uh, I'm doing a little dance uh, here. I made it go away. Okay. I was, uh, yeah, but he, you missed it. But he was doing the electro shuffle. <laughs> it was <laughs> pop, topped off by the moonwalk. Uh, pop funk master flex hunter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so today's show is about narcissism, uh, and and uh, and Pop, you were saying part of the reason that this is a topic that you wanted to cover is because of the narcissism as a as a as a, a vacuum. People that'll suck yeah. up all the help. I mean, what what did you? What well, was the idea behind that? Here's the deal: if you want to be uh, build a culture of people who really have compassion, people who really care for others, who who think literally of others first. You've got to realize um, that there are people around you who will detour you from that kind of thinking. And so if we want to build a world of service to others, uh, we've got to distance ourselves from the people that uh, make us um, think increasingly increasingly negatively about ourselves, Mm. which narcissists do, um, or um, who make us focus exclusively on them, mm. which narcissists do. It's, it's, uh, 
it's helpful when you think of the your time and your energy. You know, it is it is a resource that you have, and the same way that nobody thinks it's a good idea to empty their bank account on you know uh, one person who's going to spend it all on oh I don't know shoes. I couldn't think of anything. Uh, I'm a simple man. <laughs> Going to spend it all on ramen noodles, uh, it, but you, the limited resource of your time and energy, you know, being all uh, um, eaten up by one person is uh, it's not a great way to, to help uh, as much as you can help. Uh, some interesting uh, background on narcissism. It came from, uh, and you already know this, but I figure we should share this with our listening audience who probably also already knows this. Uh, <laughs> it's in Greek mythology. What doesn't really start with Greek mythology? Pretty much everything. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, there was this feller named Narcissus, and he was just handsome, just handsome as could be. Uh, Actually, the Greek pronunciation is Narcissus. Really? Yep. Interesting. That's Nar- the Greek word. Narcissus. Narcissus. You've corrected me, and now I'm going to be thrown into a narcissistic rage. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> that for later. Don't don't listen to the lying news. Anyway, so the uh, Nar- Narcissus. Uh, that's really interesting to know that. He, uh, uh, there was a, uh, there was a nymph named, uh, Echo who really liked him. And she's like, she's like, Hey, you, Hey, you, Hey, you. <laughs> look at me, look at me, look at me. And he didn't. And, uh, so then she made him fall in love with his own, well, he ended up just staring at his own reflection and, uh, and then he turned into a flower because that's usually what will happen. If, <laughs> if you run afoul of the gods in, uh, Greek mythology, you're going to be a flower or a tree or a star. That's pretty much what's going to happen. Well, the telling trait of that, of that, uh, particular, um, legend <clears throat> was that, he not only fell in love with his own image in the pool, but he couldn't take his eyes off that mm. image. Yeah. Um, he couldn't look at anything else but himself. Yeah. Uh, and that's where we get the whole concept of narcissism. One of the things that was interesting is we were going through and, and learning uh, about this in uh, um, the history of it. I, I, I had heard about, well, everybody's heard of narcissism, but uh, I, I learned more about it than I knew uh, when I was in medical school going through the psychiatry rotation. You spend two months in all the different subspecialties and the different disciplines, and one of those two months is in psych- psychiatry. Um, and uh, and it's, it's a personality disorder that's diagnosed. But I didn't realize that it's a relatively recent thing of, hey, this is, a, this is recognized by psychiatry, it's recognized it's in the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, the DSM criteria can be met, and it's a personality DSM, disorder. DSM uh, stands for what? Diagnostic Statistical Manual. Okay, thank um, you. And it's, uh, um, which I don't know why they call it that. It seems unnecessarily complicated. Um, the, uh, uh, but that was in 1968. But it wasn't, uh, it, narcissism as, a, as an idea was really kind of reintroduced in 1914, and by, by that was Freud had an essay, mm. um, and um, I haven't read it, but I'm going to guess it somehow goes back to either fascination with your own privates or <laughs> with your mother or father. The man was focused on sex. You know what? He knew his greatest hits <laughs> and he wanted to play his greatest hits in every album. And uh, and he did. He, uh, so, Who was it that said, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar? Oh, yeah. Can you I remember? No, I can't. I can't remember who that was. It wasn't Freud. It was, it was either Churchill or somebody like that. I'm going to guess it was Groucho Marx. <laughs> That's a good guess. He's going to cigar, cigar. Never any club that has me a member. I've never, I don't think I've ever heard his voice. No. <laughs> I, just, I just made that up. And then a duck fell out of the ceiling. Um, but it wasn't until uh, 1968 where they're like officially like, hey, these, 
we got to diagnose these people because, uh, man, they, they are not nice. And, uh, and so personality disorders in general, uh, this may be some new information. They're generally broken into there's three main clusters of personality disorders, cluster A, cluster B, and cluster C. Cluster A is the famous schizophrenic type personality disorders. There's schizoid and schizophreniform and, um, and and they are uh, they have a lot more kind of um, wild thinking and hallucination type stuff and, and a lot more uh, social difficulty. Cluster C is the uh, like dependent people, uh, a dependent personality disorder, avoidant, uh, obsessive, compulsive, all the people that are very very you know hypersensitive to stimuli. Cluster B um, are people that you would just classify as tough to be friends with. <laughs> uh, That's interesting. Yeah, because cluster B is uh, antisocial. Um, and then, uh, what was, uh, and then histrionic, uh, narcissistic. And then there's a, there's one other one that begins with B and I can't remember. Um, but it is, uh, I don't think it's not bipolar, but anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, I'm going to look it up at the break and pretend I thought of it. Uh, but they, it's people that are very much, um, it's, it's nightmare personalities. I mean, it's people that have a, have a lot of, uh, of tendencies to have stuff be about them. So if somebody's listening right now, Joel. What and they're saying, you know, borderline, borderline was what it was. Oh, borderline I personality. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. So and and they're saying I may have a friend who 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 has some of the traits of what I think might be a narcissistic personality. What would they be looking for? Um, narcissistic personality disorder has um, a lot. It's it's one of those deals where it's helpful to have official diagno- diagnostic criteria, but it's it's relatively easily identifiable borderline. There's nuance to that people that are borderline and people that aren't, but narcissistic is uh, people that view everything through the lens of how it affects them. Uh, People are disposable to some degree. If you, if you insult their um, view of themselves at all, they'll fly into a narcissistic rage. If you compliment them at all, uh, then you're the greatest person uh, ever. Um, until you're out of the room and not talking to them, and then they don't care about you anymore. It's this. There's a grandiosity to that, but it's not always uh, this big showy type of. Everybody thinks of narcissism as the power hungry CEO, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know the people that are you know the on book covers because they got famous because they were hard driven, and but they, you know the the people who want to take away from that sometimes rightfully so are like now, but the guy was a total narcissist. There's also shy narcissists where. They don't, they're not looking to be uh, right in the middle and jumping up and down. They're in the corner of the room thinking about how they're the greatest person in this room uh, mm-hmm. and, and what a bunch of idiots. Uh, they, don't, they don't have a lot of, uh, of, of need to be in front of people, but, you know, but there's, a, there's a shy narcissism. Uh, it, it's, it's really common in internet culture. There's mm-hmm. this culture they get colloquially, colloquially referred to as neckbeards, um, and, it's, and it's people that... Um, <laughs> Typically grow a beard on their neck, no way. and and oh they and they spend a lot of time in it just in co- commenting on internet articles and all that stuff. And they're the keyboard warriors. They're they're they might have a little bit of schizoid stuff where they want to be you know away from people and maybe some antisocial tendencies. But it is that you would ever position yourself uh, as someone who could oppose their view on things. It's yeah. it's in their mind the height of arrogance. What, one of the things that that uh, struck me about the research uh, research that that our research department did on this was thank you mom for that <laughs> that that um, 
one of the ways you can tell a narcissistic personality is that they don't just see themselves as an expert in one or two areas. Mm -hmm. They see themselves as an expert in every yeah. area. Yeah, it's true. It's really funny. They'll make it up as they go along. Yeah, it really is. It really is interesting because when you, whenever you meet someone that uh, um, is an expert on everything, <clears throat> you've either met someone real special and you should spend time around them, uh, or you've met somebody who's probably got some narcissistic tendencies. And that's probably one good, <clears throat> one good thing to clarify before we go to break here is that uh, narcissistic personality disorder. Um, one, if you have narcissistic tendencies, it doesn't mean you have officially diagnosed right. narcissistic personality disorder. You have to meet, you know, quite a few criteria. Um, and two, there's two different types of narcissism. There's what, you know, psychiatrists would call narcissistic personality disorders. Um, and then there's more as a, from a more sociologic perspective, which is narcissism as a trait. Uh, and so when we uh, come back from this break that we're going to go to here, we're going to go over some of the ideas behind uh, what's involved in narcissism as a, as a trait uh, and what we can do to identify that uh, and how we can work around it. Um, mostly just leave the room. I mean, it's just a spoiler <laughs> alert. All right, we're going to be back in a few minutes. I am Joel Hunter, and I'm here with my father, Joel Hunter. And uh, this show is about helping you help other people. And one of the things that's included in that is uh, staying away from bad guys. <laughs> I was just to sum it up. Uh, that's why my dad's here because uh, he's got a lot more wisdom on these things. But we're talking about narcissistic uh, people uh, and narcissism as a as kind of a a blight on modern culture, as it has been on uh, previous historical cultures as well. Uh, and one of the things I wanted to ask you, Pop, is as someone who, because you were in ministry for and still are, but you know you also were. Uh, that reminds me of the old, there's a Mitch Hed, Hedberg uh, uh, routine where he's like, I used to do drugs. I still do, but I used to, too. Uh, and uh, so saying that about you in ministry, I used to be in ministry. I still am, but I used to. Uh, you've got to see a lot of, you've, you've seen a lot of personality, a lot of colorful yes, personalities. And so um, <clears throat> there's got to be a difference um, that you've seen between people who have these traits of narcissism uh, or grandiosity uh, and then go on to be really great people and really help people versus people who have a, a disorder, which would be something that really kind of destroys yeah. them. Um, what do you feel like has been, what's the difference between those two? Well, it's important, especially as you're trying to appraise, um, if you have a dysfunctional relationship and you suspect the other person <clears throat> is um, so absorbed with themselves that they need to somehow minimize you or distance you from other relationships and and keep you under their control and so on and so forth. We want to make sure that when we talk about narcissism, we're not talking about a the normal self-interest that people have. You know, for example, if you see a group picture, a family picture, uh, and you know you're in it, the the normal response is to go find yourself first mm -hmm. and say, well, I wonder what I looked like in this picture. That's totally normal. Nothing, nothing um, uh, abhorrent about that or anything like that. I always um, look for a Bible first. <laughs> I'm like, is there a Bible in this picture? <laughs> you are truly guess inspirational. That, that means I'm super holy. <laughs> <laughs> the other, the other thing that we have to we have to um, uh, draw a line of demarcation is from those who are simply socially immature. Uh, they're all about themselves because they never uh, graduated either from the two-year-old phase where mm -hmm. you really are convinced that the world is all about you mm -hmm. or it should be, 
Um, and if, if they don't realize that you're really frustrated, um, or, or they, or they never got past the middle school phase where you define yourself by what you hate. I, I remember you telling me about that in middle school, uh, the, and, uh, and it was accurate even as I was going through it. And I was like, I hate it when you say that. <laughs> that's just who I am. Well, uh, but it's, but you're, <clears throat> it's, it's helpful. I think that that's, that's a helpful way to look at it. You know, that there, uh, there are traits that are normal when you have not yet gained enough life experience to gr- get kind of move up to the next maturity yeah. level. Uh, and there are ways to just get frozen in that spot. Exactly. Some people never get beyond um, the middle school um, um, mentality in which they will, they will form affinity groups with others who hate the same things you hate. Mm-hmm. That's, their, that's their social construct. Um, and as immature as that is, it's not ill. It's not, it's not um, um, a, a categorizable um, illness. What we're talking about here. Um, is a kind of toxic personality that um, will will um, either control you or uh, somehow make you so diminished in your own evaluation, your own esteem, your own evaluation of, of your own abilities um, that you can't live up to your own potential. Hmm. Um, and they do that by isolation. They do that by criticism. Um, they do that, um, in the relationship. So somebody once said, and I love this, <clears throat> narcissists are the only people whose love leaves you feeling less confident, confused, and unhappy as the relationship progresses. Hmm. Um, and so, um, so we, we've got to, we've got to make sure that when we're talking about the narcissists of this world, it's not just somebody with a big ego, um, or somebody who, uh, presumes leadership mm-hmm. is somebody who literally um, <clears throat> believes that you are better under their control, um, and that's their form of love to isolate you and to get you to doubt. You were telling me actually uh, about um, the movie Tangled. Mm-hmm. You know that animated movie. That's a great movie. <clears throat> that that uh, that uh, that old witch. You know, mm-hmm. and how. She had some of those traits of narcissistic personality. Yeah, it, it's the most accurate depiction of gaslighting that I've ever seen in any movie uh, or any book, really. Uh, the most accurate depiction of gaslighting I've ever seen is her, her name's mother, Mother Goffel. Uh, and she is the person who takes Rapunzel up into the tower and says, you can't ever leave the tower. And she, of course, has Rapunzel there because Rapunzel's hair is magic and keeps, her, keeps Mother Goffel young because she's super old. You find that out at the end. Spoiler, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, but, but she, this constant undermining and making uh, Rapunzel feel crazy uh, because Rapunzel sees the lights go up each year on her birthday and feels like she wants to go see the lights. And Mother Gothel says, oh, are you talking about the stars? And she says, well, but I, the thing about stars is that they change slowly and, and, and this hope happens one time. And so I don't think, and then she goes in this whole thing about, how, you know, you, you're so smart, you're so brilliant, you know, how, so you've been out there, but you could never go out there and tell, sings this whole song about mother knows best. And, and it's this whole thing about, uh, you know, there's um, people with pointy teeth out there that want to get you. Uh, and plus you're weak and you don't know what you're doing. And that is, it's gaslighting. I mean, it's such a brilliant now define gaslighting. Gaslighting is using psychological manipulation to make the subject 
of your gaslighting feel like they are crazy to think anything different than what you would tell them. Mm. Uh, it's a way to hold somebody under control because you can make them think you're the only source of accurate information. Otherwise, what they're coming up with is just crazy, you know, uh, that they would think anything different. Um, and it's it making them, uh, it undermines their sense of self and it undermines their belief in their own senses. Mm. Uh, and, and gaslighting, it, uh, it, it comes from this uh, play. It was in 1938, a Play by Patrick Hamilton. I looked. The reason I know that is because I looked it up because I thought it had something to do with old British uh, gaslighters that would go down the street. Uh, but it turns out um, I was an idiot, and I can admit that. That's how I know. See, that's and that's, and that's how you know you're not a narcissist. That's good because I was reading some of the list, and I was like, I don't know. I've talked about myself before, um, <laughs> but but in that play, the the husband makes the wife feel crazy um, as part of his kind of psychological abuse. Um, it's a very isolating way to control somebody because they, they can't trust any other source of information, including themselves. They can only trust, you know, the person yeah. who's holding that control yeah. over them. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like it's good to know what gaslighting is because you, you hear it a lot now. Um, and if you're um, on the right side of the political spectrum, then you talk about how the left tries to gaslight everybody. And if you're on the left side of the p- political spectrum, you talk about how the right side tries to gaslight everybody. Um, but I think it's fair to say that the majority of the culture of outrage and the media of outrage that, that exists, uh, there's a fair amount of blame to go around. I think, uh, you know, yeah. the idea that, um, this is your, I mean, how often do you hear the only true news source, you know I mean? Yeah. That's something you hear mm-hmm. uh, a lot, unless that's just from one company, in which case I very much apologize and I enjoy your product. Well, in a relationship, this is interesting because, um, you are also pointing out, um, that one of the tactics that people who are gaslighting uh, do is they, they compliment you periodically, but there's always a shot. Yeah. There's always a cut. Yeah. Um, anyone, anytime, if you have somebody in your life where you've heard from them, I'd say more than twice. Um, uh, Hey, I'm kidding. Can't you take a joke? That's, it's not a healthy, it's, it's rarely a healthy thing. Now that there are times where there's a back and forth to it, but if there's a back and forth to it, one person never needs to say, Hey, I'm kidding. Can't you take a joke? Yeah. Um, Hey, I'm kidding. Can't you take a joke is the relational equivalent of no offense. And then going on to say something very offensive. Anytime when someone says no offense, it's a guarantee. The next thing's going to be offensive. And anytime someone says, I'm just kidding. Um, no matter what the tone is behind that, there is uh, there's there's a very specific, purposeful barb that's getting thrown, and yeah. all, they're all little, it's death by a thousand cuts. Yep. Uh, but it's it's always this. Um, no matter the things you enjoy, well, of course you would like that. Or if you or if you say that the certain food tastes good, well, of course, of course that's what you think. Uh, it's it's this constant undermining of of your sense of of self. And there's and there's and but it also there's a, there's another end of the spectrum where it goes beyond that kind of passive aggressive behavior uh, into a frontal assault. The narcissist will often say, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Um, and, and they are, there are, there are um, malignant narcissism that narcissists that use your own words and wounds against you. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will, they will coax you um, into trusting them with some of your deepest stuff. Uh, and then they'll use it as ammunition yeah. uh, in order to control you or to make you think you're going crazy. Yeah, because there's power in reminding somebody of their of their vulnerability. Yeah. Um, and so um, 
And that's why I try to do that to all of my friends and enemies. <laughs> like, just remember, you sure need food to live, don't you? I, I don't have any vulnerabilities <clears throat> to know about. So the uh, uh, this we're going to come back. We, we're down to our last segment after this last break. Uh, and as a teaser, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what J.K. Rowling said about one character in a book that was actually based on a real-life person. Uh, how is that? That's a, wow. That's I want to know. I want to know who that is. To be continued, dot, dot, dot. We'll see you in a couple of minutes after this break. This is a show about helping you help other people. And uh, I am here. My name is Joel Hunter. Next to me is the other Joel Hunter. Hello. And that is my father who just said that. Th- today's topic is uh, is narcissism. Uh, and what does narcissism have to do with me, Joel Hunter? <laughs> and uh, I wanted to talk about different ways it's affected me, different things I think about that. And uh, no, that's a joke. That's a narcissism joke. <laughs> uh, narcissism uh, is a is a black hole in the in the help community because uh, there are uh, there are people who um, either through no fault of their own or very often through many faults of their own. Uh, have narcissistic tendencies and those tendencies uh, overwhelm the rest of, of, of the good in them and where they just, you can't, you can't give them enough praise um, and, uh, or enough help because, you know, who else even is there out there to help? It's only me, you know, bring it all to me. Uh, I said before the break that I was going to reveal. Yes. Uh, secret so that curious. Not a lot of people know uh, J.K. Rowling uh, uh, said this, but she's, she's the, the, the nice uh, British lady who wrote uh, all of the Harry Potter books and became a billionaire. Uh, I think justifiably, those were good books. I've read them twice. Wow. Uh, yeah, which is super nerdy. Uh, but uh, she said that she's only based one character uh, in the books on that's actually based on a real life person. There's, a, there's amalgams and different personality traits of different people she's known, and those are all throughout the characters. But there's one who's based on a real life person. And it's this guy, Gilderoy Lockhart. And Gilderoy Lockhart is in, um, I believe, uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. I don't know. Uh, write a letter to us if you, <laughs> if you disagree with that. <laughs> if you can find our address, <laughs> which, which we doubt. That's right. Um, it's <laughs> but he, uh, but he's, Gilderoy Lockhart is this just absolutely pompous, over the top, like every single thing has to do with him, his books are called Magical Me, uh, the books that he sells, and he's, it's his autobiography of all of his great exploits. Um, he constantly, uh, you know, when people try to talk to him, he just assumes they want his autograph, and he signs it and then takes a picture with him and pats him on the head. And uh, He's this just incredibly <laughs> condescending, arrogant buffoon. And, uh, and then J.K. Rowling added that she's not worried about the, the person who Gilderoy Lockhart is based on. At like trait for trait, it's that guy's identical twin. She's like, she's like, because I know when he reads the books, he's going to think that he's Dumbledore. And uh, and I felt like that was such an accurate uh, description of narcissism. You know, yeah. it's it, no one who uh, actually is a narcissist will ever be like, I could be a narcissist. It's very hard to find that naturally. Um, what would you say uh, for people listening? What what would be a helpful way for them to know? Um, whether they have tendencies that way or whether it's they've, there are people in their life that truly would meet criteria of like, oh, I, I should do things a little different. Well, there may be some tendencies. Uh, first of all, narcissism are to- narcissists are totally unaware that they're narcissists. I mean, it's like a tone-deaf person. They, they don't know that they don't know the tone. Well, that's a really accurate analogy yeah, too. Yeah. In that, 
Isn't that crazy when you sit next to somebody who's tone deaf and you're just <laughs> no, like, is they're this, singing out? Is this possible? I know they're singing out, totally thinking <laughs> yeah. they're adding to the song. It's really and it's like, ouch. Yeah. Um, so, but it's always good when you're trying to build a culture of empathy and a culture of compassion, which is what we're trying to do uh, with helping you help others. It's always good to monitor yourself to make sure you're not the center of every conversation. I, I, I literally go through my emails and I count how many times I use the word I hmm. because I don't want to be the subject of all of my own emails. Hmm. Um, when somebody um, 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 defined a narcissist as, as someone who you can tell um, that you, you can just have told them that you have cancer um, and somehow the conversation ends up talking about the new car they just bought. Hmm. Um, and so, so we all need to be aware of how much we talk about ourselves and try to focus um, on, on talking um, about other people from other people's perspective. That's how you know you're kind of combating that tendency. Uh, but there's also a, 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 a permission that people need to have, um, especially good people who don't want to be disloyal. Like but, the people listening right now. That's correct. That's the correct. Good, you good people. You good people. That's <laughs> right. Um, and, but to not get drawn into what you said is that black hole of trying to gain the approval of a narcissistic person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to have permission to distance yourself from that person. You will never gain their approval um, unless you just um, you know, flatter them all day long. And, and that's not how you want to spend the rest of your life. Yeah. Although— as you pointed out, Joel, um, if you do have somebody like that in your life and you they're part of your family or or you will have them, either your boss, you'll have them in, in your life for the rest of, uh, you know, for, for the foreseeable future. Some, yeah, somebody you just, you can't, you can't get away from you even can't if you wanted to. Yourself. Yeah. The best thing to do is to uh, continually flatter them. Just cheap flattery. <laughs> cheap flattery is like Confederate money. Throw it at them and and get on with the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, but don't don't get pulled into their worldview. Yeah, because the, I feel like the black hole analogy is really really accurate because a black hole is a a star uh, or a group of stars that have collapsed down into themselves uh, and and gotten to the point where there's so much density uh, that it actually creates a, a, a dent in the wrinkle of space-time. Uh, the, the gravity is so intense that not even light is able to escape it. The gravity is so intense that anything that would be around it uh, will orbit it and then crash into it and, and also disappear mm-hmm. into the black hole so that it can increase in, in size um, mm. And uh, and and that is, I mean, that is what a, a narcissistic personality disorder does. It, you you can uh, you can either break free of that orbit, throw detritus off in the form of just cheap flattery, and 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 ho- hope that that feeds it. Um, but if you are orbiting it yourself and pouring all of your energy into it, it's you you will crash into it. Yeah. And then there's this there's the the unspoken. We only have a minute left, but I want to I want to address real quickly the unspoken. Um, humble twin of narcissism, which is um, an, an extreme insecurity that's also focused on yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, because whether it's thinking great things about yourself all the time or thinking only about, you know, what, uh, what a loser you are all the time, um, that need for, for constant uh, um, approval from other people in, in order to, you know, it's, yeah. it's a black hole yeah. in itself, you yeah. know, because both of them are pointed 
at yourself. You know, the fingers are pointing at yourself. 10 second C.S. Lewis quote. Uh Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. I love that. Isn't that great? Yeah. And it, and it's so accurate because of the way that um, everyone has gifts and it's, it's not necessarily humble to say, no, I don't have these gifts. Uh, It's humble to recognize where you fit into this tapestry of humanity and how you can help uh, other people. Because if there's one thing this show's about, yeah. you know what it's about? Helping you help other there people. There you are. Uh, and I would say, with all humility, w- this is another successful one in the books. <laughs> uh, we will be back here, uh, I guess, tomorrow uh, to uh, try to help you help others. Thank you for listening to The Bright Side here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. We'll see you next time.